I'm going to pray for us now and then we'll get things going in with what God has to say for us today. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for every single person here this morning. Thank you for the fire that is keeping us warm. Um, that is so, so appreciated. Um, Father, we just pray that you would do something today, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would inspire us, um, that you would help us to come to you exactly as we are, but that we would leave here differently, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Numbers. Numbers, chapter 16. Now, Korah, the son of Izar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan, and Ibrahim, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, Jeez, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with the number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Then why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face and said to Korah and all his companions, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will bring near to him. Do this. Take censers, um, Korah and all his company. Put fire in them, put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses will be holy. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Korah, so this is to him privately and to him aside, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it too small a thing for you that God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation, to minister to them, that he's brought you near to him and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you, and you would seek the priesthood also? Therefore it is against God that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you would grumble against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Ibrahim and the sons of Eliab. And they said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Egypt, a land flowing with milk and honey, gas bag. To kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing of milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you pull, put, out our eye, put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. And Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, and I have not harmed one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Be present you and all your company before the Lord, you and they, and Aaron, Aaron tomorrow. And let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it, and every one of you Bring before the Lord his, his censer, 250 censers, you also and Aaron each his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in them, and laid incense on them, and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses to and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, 
the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, to say to the congregation, get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan and Ibram. When Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abram, the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood at the door of their tents, together with their wives, their sons and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. And as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who are around them fled at their cry for they said least the earth swallow us up and fire came out from the Lord and consumed 250 men offering incense then the Lord spoke to Moses saying tell Eliza the son of Aaron the priest to take up the censers out of the blaze then scatter the fire far and wide for they have become holy. As for the senses of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives, let them be made into hammered plates as the covering for the altar. For they, are off, for they offered them before the Lord, and they became holy. Thus they did, they shall be assigned to the people of Israel. So Eliza the priest took the bronze censers, which those who were burned had offered, and they hammered out as a covering for the altar to be a reminder to the people of Israel so that no stranger, no strange person who is not of the descendants of Aaron should draw near to burn incense before the Lord, lest he become like Korah and his company, as the Lord said to him through Moses. Um, and then we come on to a, a, another set of complaints, but we're going to kind of um, stop with this passage. So straight away at the start, the accusation of Moses, you have gone too far. All in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourself above the assembly? Um, we were talking today about politics as we were kind of chilling and, and chatting and about the left and the right. And this is exactly what we're reading in this passage. Um, we're reading about politics. So Moses is in charge of the people. Um, who's Korah? Well, Korah is Moses' cousin. His cousin is making moves. Um, he's one of the richest um, Levite leaders. He is said, rumoured to have, by um, the rabbis and their writings, to be one of the richest men in the world at the time. It is said he discovered one of um, Joseph's um, treasures hidden in Egypt. And so he had mad, mad money. And he was probably one of the most powerful Levites outside of um, Aaron and his, his clique. So Korah has like 
everything going for him. He's got all the money one would need. He's richer than pretty much everyone in Israel out of the people. He's got more power than pretty much everyone apart from, say, Moses and Aaron. And he, he comes to Moses and says, you've gone too far. All in the congregation are holy. So it's a genius thing to do. Whenever you want to make a move for power or you want to make a move for something, um, you tend to make it about not what it's about. So when you read this kind of what he says to Moses, like you can hear that and go like, wow, that's like, yeah, I can kind of see a truth there. That's kind of real. Like all the congregation are holy. Every one of them, the Lord is among them. Then why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? So it's about the people. It's about where they're at. It's about God's assembly. And Moses, you're kind of putting yourself as this kind of, this kind of guy at the top and you're, you're running things. And man, it's just, Moses, it's just, it's just evil. I'm just looking at your selfish ambition. And oh, Moses, it just, it just hurts my, my pure little heart how all these people out here are suffering. Do you know what it is? This is Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump. You know, the man of the people in his Trump Tower, a billionaire, and he's voted in as a man of the people. Like, I know Hillary Clinton has been about that political life, but she is more a person of the people than Donald Trump could ever be. He's never cared about the little people until he's running for the biggest job in the world. Never cared about them. Moses, I mean, what could this guy do for them more? Like, he was safe, away from all the issues, and gets called by an angel from a burning bush. He doesn't even want the job when it's offered to him. He goes and does the job, wishes he'd never done it. All he hears from these people is moaning and moaning and moaning and moaning and moaning and moaning and moaning. And now the richest person there in the nation Oh, his heart is just breaking for the poor little people that aren't on an even keel with Moses. And when this accusation comes, what does Moses do? He falls to the ground, his face on the ground. He couldn't put himself lower. The most powerful man in the nation has his face on the ground. And he's not talking to the man. His face is the ground because he's connecting with God. And then when it comes to all these accusations about him, he just, he doesn't talk about the people being holy. He doesn't talk about the assembly of the Lord. He says, did you, did you want the priesthood also? Oh, it's cool, it's cool. It's, it's open. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's open. <laughs> That's all right. And so, when he talks to him, when he addresses him, he, he says like, he doesn't go like, the people doesn't talk about any of the theology, any of the stuff that he's raising, because none of those are issues. This is the order that God has put things in place. This is the way he wants it. That's the way it's going to be. And um, he's been accused of all this stuff. His face falls to the ground. And then what Moses does, which I absolutely love, is he's being accused of being this like man who's pulling all the strings, who's in charge, manipulating everyone, oppressing everybody else with his own power and own desire. And then he says, falling on his face, he gets up and then he says, you know what? This isn't on me. The Lord will decide. Like, he, he takes his hands off of it. He's been accused of being this crazy, power-hungry guy, abusing all the poor people, 
And he just goes, you know what? The Lord will decide who's his. The Lord will draw near to him who's going to draw near to him. And he's going to deal with this. And it's, it's, it's all on him. And then you have so much already in the service of the Lord, he says to him. You have so much going for you. You're, you're, you're a Levite. Like you're, you're in the tabernacle. You're servicing all the holy relics. Like you want the priesthood as well. You've got all this pee. You've got all this money. You're the richest man in the nation. And you want the priesthood as well. Like a man of selfish ambition is accusing a man of selfish ambition to fulfill his selfish ambition. Like it's the craziest thing. It's absolutely insane. And um, we don't see that in Donald Trump at all, do we? No. So um, the whole argument here is all are holy. And actually what he's saying is true. All are holy. The difference is not all are the same. So all are holy but not all of the same. So the Levites had their priestly function. They were going in, looking after things, making sure all the, all the artifacts that we talked about in our series, artifacts were okay, were fine and were serviced, but they weren't there doing the priestly duty. They weren't interceding for the people on this really deep, meaningful level. And the priests were taken care of by giving various things by the people. And so he's basically got all this money. He's looking at the priests because they serve the people. They don't have access to making their own kind of money and their own mad pee. So they had to rely on people giving them the things that were part of the law to give them. And, and this guy Cora's like, well, I want my food like on a plate for me. I want these guys to serve me this. He's the richest man in the nation. He wants to do the Levite thing and he wants to do this. He has no care about the people being equal. Um, and what he said is true, which is why most of them disagree. All people are holy, but not all people are the same. Everyone has their lane and everyone has their job and their role and who they are. Um, and then one of the things that God says to Moses is he says, Moses and Aaron, please step aside from the people. I'm going to absolutely kill everyone, like the whole nation. I'm done. I'm killing everyone. And um, when you read that, you're like, geez, God, like, come on now, this is like not that big a deal and you're going to like kill everybody. God has no intention in this passage of killing everybody, but he has intention of making a very real and powerful statement. As he says, he's going to kill everybody. Moses and Aaron are face to the ground again. The two biggest people, most powerful people abusing everyone, face to the ground, going, God, would you kill everyone for one man's sin? Begging on behalf of the people. So the whole nation's watching all this play out, this power play by Korah and his 250 leaders that are trying to take over the nation. And Moses' response, every time an accusation comes, every time this happens, and then God's like, I'm done with these people. If they want to back these mugs, I'm just killing all of them. We're going to start a nation with you, Moses and Aaron. And then the people are like, what? And then Moses and Aaron are face down on the ground going, God, don't kill them all. Please don't kill them all. Don't do this. Like, it's just one waste man's sin. Don't kill everyone for this side man over here. Like, just don't do it, God. Don't do it. And they're face down. And then the people are watching and they're thinking, hold up a second. This guy said about like all of us being equal for the good of the people. Yet when we're in danger, it's Moses and Aaron who are face down pleading with the Lord. Like, don't do this. I don't see Korah on his knees ever. I don't see Korah face down ever in this passage. I don't see any of the 250 leaders with him who are making a power play to take over the nation. All of a sudden, the richest person around is caring about the little guy. He ain't face down in the mud, but Moses is face down in the mud. You have to move away from people who always have their eye on what someone else has. You have to move away from those people. You have to. Like, you can't be, like, there, there are people that have different issues in their lives, and like, I have so many friends, all different types of issues, and I'm happy to be there with everyone. The bit where I can't be around people is when they've always got their eyes on what someone else has. I can't. 
I can't be around people who don't celebrate other people's achievement. I can't be around people who don't celebrate someone else's success. Whether you're failing and hurting, I'm failing and hurting in a lot of things right now, but I'm always gonna celebrate someone else's success. You've gotta do it. Like as soon as someone is like that, where their eyes are on selfish ambition and what other people have that they won't celebrate other people, I'm done. And I'd encourage you, just like in this passage, God says to Moses and Aaron, you two step aside. And then after Moses and Aaron intercede with God, they say uh, to the congregation, guys, I just want to give you a heads up. I think what's going to happen isn't going to be too great. You might want to move back from these guys, from their tents. Don't touch any of their possessions. Don't be around any of them because God's about to deal with his, his judgment upon, upon these people. And then what happens is, as we just read in the, in the passage in, in number 16, is that as the people step away, Moses says, if these guys die of old age, if they die like a normal human death, like if something happens to them, which is the way their life ends that is totally normal, then I'm totally wrong, I'm way off base, and I'm the one to blame here. But, he says, if God does a new thing, like a new thing, like a next thing, if God... If God opens up the ground and it swallows them whole alive and closes and they've gone to Sheol, the place of the dead, or under the ground alive, they go there alive, he says, I'm telling you right now, I was in the right. And so the people are realizing, oh, geez, this is about to go down. And so everyone steps away from these guys' tents. Everyone moves back from them. And then the ground cracks. They fall in. All their possessions, everything swallowed up of Korah's possessions. Um, And the people are like kind of freaking out the ground swallowed them alive and they went to Sheol alive I don't know about you but as I was reading this I mean obviously this is talking about a different thing but the thing that it spoke to me about so strongly was I don't know have you had those moments where you've lived that life I've talked about where you've been the person who always has their eye on someone else what someone else has what's going right for them what they've got and you know what it just feels like the ground has just swallowed you whole when you live your life day to day looking at what other people has it's like you're swallowed alive. It's like you're already dead, but you're still here. You just, you just don't have any joy. You don't have anything about you because all you're doing is looking at how everyone else is living, what everyone else has, and you just live this existence of pure and utter death. It's like you've gone to Sheol already, but somehow you're still here. They and their friends and their families don't build families that have their eyes on other people's. Don't build families like that. Like, don't do it. Like, don't bring your kids up. Don't build your life with your spouse, your partner, that those conversations at dinner time are always about everyone else, what they're doing, where they're at, what's happening to them, the pitfalls they're going down, or the highs that they're going up and in jealousy. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to be like them anyway. Don't do it. Don't build your families like that because you will live your life as if you're already in Sheol, as if you're already there. You'll be able to taste and smell the sulfur on your breath is disgusting. So, as all this happens and this judgment falls on them, there are those guys who are still going around with the censors because they wanted to be, they were Levites and they wanted to be priests. So they've got the censors and they've kind of done this offering. And um, the way that the Bible talks about um, the, the censors that they have that are on fire is they talk about it being like a strange fire. So this guy like, I don't know if you guys know about him, you may have, you may not really should be drinking energy drinks in church <laughs> trying to stay with it y'all so there was this conference a while back and a book by a guy called John MacArthur and he did this book in this conference called Strange Fire and so literally he looked at this passage 
and he applied everything within the passage about the charismatic movement. He said, the charismatic movement has a strange fire. It's this idolatrous worship that these people are doing in these churches. And he just did this whole thing and he just literally took a whole denomination of the church and just went, you're not of God. And um, you're like Korah and his rebellion. He did this whole thing on it. It was like, I remember like sitting there and I was like, wow, that's a little bit beyond hashtag shots fired. Like that's, that's like denomination got duppied. Daily denominational duppy. It was like John MacArthur was on some, some next thing, man. I mean, I don't understand why you would ever, ever commit a conference, a book and everything to that. Because for me, like I grew up watching Power Rangers and I know that when all the different like robots come together to build the big Zorb thing or whatever it's called, it just kills all evil. Why would you want to break up the huge robot Power Ranger thing that's going to defeat evil? Why would you want to divide the church up like that? But for some reason, um, John MacArthur thought, this is a great idea. Let's destroy this thing. Mmm, mug. So he kind of looks at this whole story in that kind of way. Now what happens at the end of the story, which is really why we have, um, which is why we have these bronze plates on the table, um, it's not because we take an offering, we don't, we never have on a Sunday morning, we just don't do that. So you can chill, that's not what that's about. Those bronze plates um, are there because what they did was, they took all the sensors, which were made of bronze, and they were laying amongst them. So Aaron's, children, his family, were all priests, they had to go out among the people, all the dead bodies singed on the floor that had been consumed by the fire in this passage. And in amongst them all, God's gone, oh, by the way, I'm going to need every single one of the 250 censors back, please. Like, don't lose a single one of them because they're now holy. Like, they wanted holiness, they got holiness. The censors are now holy. So they went out and they picked out all 100, 250 of the bronze censors and they got them. And then he says, now you're going to hammer them out into like plates. And then with these plates, what they did is they put them all around the altar. And it was like a memorial, and it was called Korah and his companions. So what happened is, when you'd approach the altar now, you would see, as a reminder, Korah and his companions. And what it was, was that you'd come to the altar to make your sacrifice, you would have a visual aid in front of you that shined and was reflective, and that you could see yourself in. So if you want to have a look at those... And have it. That's all right. It's cool. You can put croissants on it. It doesn't really matter. Like, if they were completely bronze and not from Wilco with the silver bit in the middle, it'd have been awesome. But hashtag church budget. Um, they would come to the altar, and you'd have this like visual aid where you would see yourself back in it. But the reflection you'd be seeing, you'd be seeing it in the context of Cora and his companions. You'd see what it's like living life wanting what someone else has you'd see that as you're making the sacrifice that you need to get your heart right because what Korah said at the beginning was so beautiful you've gone too far all the congregation are holy every one of them the Lord is among them why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord Moses never did that Moses' argument was I haven't even taken a donkey from these guys that's the equivalent of a prosperity preacher going where's my Bentley I don't have one I don't have a whip like you're accusing these guys as you pass out there claiming all this money getting these flash cars. I don't have a whip. Like, I do all this, get abuse from you guys. I don't even have anything. There's no donkey. Like, this is who I am. And so when they'd come to it, they'd see it. And they'd be reminded as they looked at their reflection that the one thing they would analyze about themselves is they would see this. 
was that they would see what true holiness is. And it doesn't matter about saying the right things of like, oh, I believe that humility is such a wonderful value and that I really care about the people around me. Cora, you never cared about people around you. You were the richest man around and you didn't take care of any of the poverty. You didn't take care of any of the people. It's how I know that Donald Trump should never have got the evangelical vote in America. Oh, you care about the poor. Oh, great, Donald. Those billions you've had for how long? How much of that's been going there? Oh yeah, gee whiz, zilch. That's how you tell it. And Cora, richest man around, taking care of no one. And those plates were there around the altar to remind the people, live your life. Don't try and live someone else's. Because when you do, the ground swallows you hold. The bronze plates remind us who we are matters who we actually are, not the things we say, not the ideals of I believe this ideal. I hear people talking about things they believe and they can talk about it till the cows come home. Believe is a verb. If you're not doing it, you're a gas bag. We have to fight to be who we are. It's life and death. Trying to be someone else will kill you. Trying to live your life as trying to be someone else is gonna kill you. Who you are matters. Who you are is precious. And if the people are to be holy, they have to be who they are, not trying to be someone else. The bronze plates all around the size of the altar literally translates um, in the Hebrew and the rabbinical understanding is check yourself before you wreck yourself. So you come to the altar and you would literally check yourself before you wreck yourself. It'd be like, wait a sec, before you come to the, near to God, Waving your little incense around. Remember Cora and his people who waved it all around like, oh yeah, we care about the little guy. With no intention of caring for the little guy. They did. You come to God's altar, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Are you really coming here about a serious thing where you care about the restoration, the reconciliation of all things to himself? Oh, you care about that? Great. Come into the altar. Look full in the reflection. Give your sacrifice to the Lord. Now, what I found was funny and I made reference to kind of Pastor Johnny Mack. Um, hashtag shots fired. He looked at this story and there's the, the translation of strange fire and it talks about strange people. And all throughout the passage, the people who came, they were not priests and they came and made a sacrifice. They all died with the fire that came from the Lord. And he kind of relayed that to the charismatic church. What's really, really funny is in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So the way this, like the, the King James does this banging thing where it says, you are a peculiar people. Where it looks at it, you were his people, you weren't his people, you now are his people. And when Peter says this, it's a crazy statement because he's doing a throwback to the story we've just read where a strange people, strange people couldn't come and make an offering to God at the incense at the altar. They couldn't come near. You came near, you died. That's why all 250 people died. They were trying to do a role that wasn't theirs to do and they all died for it. And what Peter says of you and me is he says you are a royal 
You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous life. Once you were not a people, once you were strange people, is what he's saying. But now you've come out of darkness into his marvellous light. He says that you and I, the strange people, can come close. That actually none of this really matters. And so like John MacArthur has his thing where it's like, a strange fire, let's get away with the charismatics. I'm not really on that charismatic wave thing and all that, I get it. Um, and then he does this thing where strange people, and he tries to write this whole denomination off, whereas actually what Peter's saying is like, he deads that right there and then. He goes, oh, the strange people? Oh yeah, great, bring them near. They're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. All of us, people who are strangers who couldn't come straight to God, we come straight to him now. And so actually it just deads a whole conference and a whole book and that it's all meaningless. But the ultimate thing that we need to do is we need to come near to the altar. We need to see our reflection because God is calling us to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. That he calls us to have a pure heart when we come to him. You, you can go around living your life as you are, but when you come to his altar, you, you check yourself and you go like, oh man, I got this totally wrong. Let's change. I don't want to be a person living, trying to be someone else. I want to be who you want me to be because who you want me to be, who you made me to be, who you're calling me to be is beautiful. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll kind of end that there. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you for Cora and his example. Um, I thank you that though he had selfish ambition and was just happy to just murk on everyone. Um, I thank you that we live in a world right now where that's happening as well, but may we not take part in it. May we not end up being like the type of person that Trump is and others. May we have you at the forefront of who we are. May we not pretend and pay homage of our lips that we care about the holiness of a nation, that we care about all people being equal and that everyone matters. Um, may we be people that actually actions that. May we be people who live that out. Father God, may we look in the bronze plates of someone else's demise and learn that actually we want to come to you as we are. And if we are living a life now where we are desperately trying to be someone else, may we find you and repent at the altar, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. May we find true life that we will not be like them, feeling like we're in Sheol, the place of the dead, yet still being alive. May we be alive to all that you are because Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen.